Through the Ivy, I'm Max Danzer, joined by Trevor Curl for another rendition. This one, the opening day rendition, is whenever you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever you're listening. Today, the day that we're recording this is March 26th, 2020, the day that opening day should have been for Major League Baseball. However, it's been pushed back to an uh, unknown date in the future due to the coronavirus and the pandemic that has shut the world down. But, Trevor, we got to watch some baseball games today. Major League Baseball and a lot of teams have been doing a very good job of making sure that their fans have some baseball to watch. I give all props to uh, the social media accounts and pretty much everything run in the front offices by uh, teams and also, you know, like I said earlier on social media. Um, the Mariners, I know, have done an incredible job today and will continue to do a good job. Um, I know a lot of other teams, too, have done a really good job. I think the... Um, I saw a couple posts from the Indians' Twitter. Uh, looks like they're treating their fans really well up in Cleveland. Um, you know, and the you know who's who this hurts kind of the most, really though. Who? Cincinnati. Why is that? Cincinnati. Have you seen their since the tradition for opening day in Cincinnati? Well, I know that they used to be the first game of the year since they are the first team to play a game, but but they have like the whole parade. They have the entire city shut down. For oh, opening no. day, and so Cincinnati is like to me the one city that would get hit the most from not having opening day right now. Yeah. But um, but then again, you know, like everyone else, it. we're bouncing back. They'll get it, and they probably have. Well, Major League Baseball came out with one game for each team onto their platforms, whether that was Facebook, Twitter, MLB Network, FS1's doing uh, Game Seven of the 2016 World Series as we speak. So. Every team is at least getting one game. As as you said earlier, the Mariners are providing games this entire next week uh, for Mariners fans on Root Sports locally, and I'm sure plenty of other teams are doing the same. Uh, I think it's a very clever idea. And I, I know the Cubs on their new network marquee were playing the championship series this past week and probably are doing the World Series at this point as well. So teams that have had playoff runs actually have a lot to work with because you could literally just run that whole postseason if you won the World Series. And that's something super special. Like, for example, the Nationals can run from the wild card game all the way to Game 7 of the World Series. You got like a month of programming right there. I mean, I guess if you go day by day by day and take out the days off, you probably have like three weeks. But... Uh, no, it's just a lot of creativity here for Major League Baseball, and it's good that they're holding on to the fans and keeping interest until hopefully the season starts up. And June is the new rumor date by Rob Manfred. That's the that's the earliest we could see it, I'd assume. Uh, July also, like maybe a 4th of July weekend opener would be a cool idea. But uh, yeah, June 1st would be really cool if they can get that working quickly. But again, as we talked about earlier, this virus is very unpredictable, so we don't know at this point, but... Uh, well, we just have to wait and see, be patient, and stay inside, and I, I, everything will work out, hopefully. Yeah, um, you know, the Mariners had to pull out something from Fox Sports Northwest, which was uh, the 2001 Mariners opening day, which was Ichiro's major league uh, debut. So, you know, some teams have to get a little clever and a little um, you know, a little interesting when they go, 
and they go into what they're going to do. I know today MLB on their Facebook had Felix's perfect game. So yeah. the Mariners fans got to watch two things. They either got to watch the 2001 opening day on TV and uh, through the perfect game on his uh, on your laptop or your phone. But you know, Major League Baseball is doing a pretty good job for right now for an organization that was getting really, really uh, a lot of backlash, Ridicule, as we yeah. saw earlier or early in uh, 2020, is now starting to get a little more praise. So they're starting to bring their market back up. But, you know, does this still right the wrongs that MLB, Network, MLB has done over the past few months? I mean, there's a lot going on, to say the least. You have the whole Astros scandal. You have the Red Sox scandal. And that one's interesting because the consensus was supposed to come out a month ago, Trevor. And nothing came out, obviously, because everything kept getting pushed back with Astros drama, their press conferences in spring training. Now you have COVID-19, which has pushed it back. But Manfred, with an interview with Scott Van Pelt on ESPN the other night, said and announced that they have the results and that he just hasn't had time to write the you know, full report on it, which makes sense. They're dealing with a lot right now. But he says there will be a whole consensus, whole report coming out before opening day. So he has a couple months for that. But, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with the decisions he's made. I'll give you that. But for the way it's been organized, I understand why it's been a little bit slow these last couple weeks because of the coronavirus and how that's kind of put everything to a halt. But I... It's just so hard. There's two sides of it for me, Trevor. There's the side that's that understands that this is a hard situation and a hard decision to make. And then there's the side that really, as a baseball fan and someone who loves this game, is disappointed in Major League Baseball. And I think that's the stronger suit right now, especially looking back at or looking into the fact that the Astros won't will likely not have to play in front of fans. And this is going all under the table. It's not going to be the same as it was going to be if opening day started on time. This was supposed to be the story of the Astros and how... Fans were going to ridicule them at the stadiums, being booed and so forth. And now, potentially, we may not even have fans at stadiums for a portion of the season, if not the entire season, in 2020. And that really trumps that storyline going into this season. What do you think about that? It's it's pretty clear. You watch players um, when they come back from a scandal or from um, a, drug, a drug use, uh, like steroids or performance enhancers of other sorts. Um, you saw that with A. Rod in 2015. Uh, he got booed ridiculously by the Red Sox um, and the rest of the league. Um, you could see that also uh, with Barry Bonds a little bit um, in his later years when uh, the, you know the, the rumors came out to be true. You saw that uh, even um, with Pete Rose before, um, you know it was more or less after his career the ridicule that came in. Uh, yeah, everything's getting swept on the, under the rug. The Astros just seem to, every time they're getting off scot-free, and you you have to think to yourself, man, that's just a talented group, and that's just a good pitching staff. But the pitching staff was one thing. Knowing what pitches you're going to get to hit is another, and the Astros are just going to walk away from this. Um, and a lot of other things that um, I guess Manfred has done, like the three-batter minimum, gets kind of you know pushed That's aside okay. we don't really know about it until that. it comes out um and everything's just overshadowed by major league baseball and uh, the houston astros yeah and i think the interesting thing with the astros is is looking at the punishment i disagreed with it i think the title should be stripped i if there was a way i would have liked to see players punished obviously they gave them immunity so now we're probably never going to see that happen so i the part of me was like oh, you know what at least the punishment will be 
going to Yankee Stadium and having to face that crowd, going to every stadium and having to face that crowd, trying to play 162 games and live up to expectations. Imagine the pressure that's on that team to show and prove that cheating wasn't all of that talent that we saw the last couple years. Imagine if the Astros were a 500 team this year, 81 and 81 in that range. They would get destroyed and we're not going to see that anymore at this point because they're going to be getting off scot-free, as you said. They don't have to play in front of fans. The criticism is really on social media, and all you have to do is either turn your account off or block comments. But, I mean, it's up to those players on what they do. But, yeah, this is a huge break for this Houston Astros team, and I think it will benefit them big time. Well, let's just think of the 81 games that they play on the road. It just doesn't matter anymore. Like, it was going to matter. It was this is if to, they, It could have been the difference between the Astros even – Winning the division and playing a wild card game was those it really could have one road games. I think that's more realistic too. That I think the Astros are still a good team, but I, I think that the A's would have pushed them a lot. Who knows what the Angels would have done? I, true, we know our opinions on the Angels at this point, but they're still an okay team. But yeah, I think the A's really would have pushed them, and the A's could have won that division, and maybe the Astros would have been a wild card team. I love that point by you, and not only that, but it's it's everyone like everyone hates that team. And it would have been great for baseball to have this flair, this drama, this you know kind of soap opera politics inside the game that would have really created a really interesting uh, scene, very interesting scene at Yankee Stadium, at all these stadiums that people would tune in to watch. Baseball that's struggling so much to get viewership compared to the National Football League and the NBA at this point too. This was perfect for them. Obviously, it's not what you want to see inside your game, but it does bring fans in, and now you know that's lacking a little bit. Well, look what could have happened in L.A. When the Astros would play road games in Anaheim, say the Dodgers are on a road trip, they should have been look, today. Look yeah. at all those Dodger fans that would want to come to the An- to Anaheim just to boo the Astros and yeah, kind of it, make an allegiance with the Angels for a, just a three-game series. And the Astros go to play the Mets too, so that would be in New York as well. And it, it is what it is, but it's frustrating, especially seeing how the Astros players have reacted to it, how confident in themselves especially they are. Especially the owner too. Yeah, well, we, that's a whole different story right there. But, yeah, we got to move on from it, I guess. But something that's— For right now, once the season starts, though, and the Astros start playing road games, then we can start talking about it again and watch the hopefully ship go down. Yeah, and then all this is up in the air. Who knows? Maybe this all gets better. And after two weeks of playing inside, or playing with empty stadiums, maybe Major League Baseball allows fans to come in again. But I, I, I think it's safe to assume that we will at least see half of the games with no one in the stadium. That's what I would believe, at least, because, you know, you, if, if, the, if the virus gets better, you don't want to bring it back just like that. You don't want a team having it just like that and giving it to fans and then having to shut down again. But uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Something else I wanted to talk about, and both you and I are very passionate about this, is in this time, we, we just talked about how Major League Baseball is putting a ton of games on social media, on TV for fans to watch. Something that's really frustrated me, and I know you, is the fact about is the blackout restrictions for the Major League at-bat subscription, which mm-hmm. should allow you to watch every single team's games if you pay the subscription fee. But really, you can't watch your home team play because you're in, if you're inside the area where the local feed is broadcasting on television, I guess there's a contract or something that doesn't allow you to watch it so you get blacked out. So you could really only watch games outside your state, which is incredibly frustrating. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, for me in California, it is uh, I can watch the Mariners when they're not playing the Giants or the A's. So which kind of sucks because, you know, in the American League West, the Mariners play majority of their games 
in or Oakland goes to Seattle. So I couldn't watch Felix's last start because they were playing Oakland. It was yeah, that's horrible. Frustrating. So and it's like if you're gonna pay this money, let you let the guys watch their games. Well, how much is it? Like sixty dollars or something. It's a lot. It's a good. It's a good. It's a big price and for a year. For a year, right? Yes. How much is and it? if sixty dollars, it's something around that. All I know is it's too much, and people fans are going to buy that app to watch their team on their phone when they're out in the run, and that you know they don't have their TVs with them. So what's the point of blacking it out? I'm sure there's tons of people who buy that app, buy that subscription actually, and then don't even know that they won't be able to watch their team. And then little do you know, okay, well there you go, you're blacked out. And then what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, it's frustrating. It's if you're well, trying to expand some... interest in the game, let millennials watch games on their phone. If you look at some states where they got like four or five blackouts and just, you know, across certain parts of the state line. It's like you could literally be in in Colorado, like the middle of Colorado. Okay, you can't watch the Rockies. Okay, now if you're in southern Colorado, now you can't even watch the um the Diamondbacks. Because now you're too close to Arizona. Now you're in Arizona's blackouts. Imagine those places that are really well. Look at up Iowa. Too. Iowa, That's I think, is one Iowa, where yeah. you're like four or five teams blocked out of in the central, and then you go east coast. So if you're on the west coast, it's not so bad. But if you go east coast, you're in such a blacked out area where you can barely watch. You know, you take two steps out of city limits, and now you're, you know, you can't you can't watch the Nationals anymore. You can only watch, you know, the Marlins or. The Rays. Yeah, I actually, I think Iowa is the big example here. I was seeing something on Twitter about it like a year ago, so I don't quite remember. And I apologize for my lack of geography knowledge, but I think it is like you can't watch the Cubs, the Brewers, the Twins. And like it's like a handful, it's like a bunch of teams, like five or six teams. And then think about it like this way. Let's say it is you're blacked up by four teams. That's that's eight teams really because they're playing someone else every single day. And that multiply you multiply that by two. That's eight teams you can't watch a day. And, you know, obviously there's the four that will be the constant, but the four teams that they're playing two, you're blacked out from. And it's a big problem. I, 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 the only way to solve it is, and, like, what is it? Is it the contracts? Like, for example, the Mariners and Root Sports, does Root Sports, like, not make money from the MLB at-bat subscription? And is that why they don't want people watching on the phone or something? Hopefully is that how not. it works? Well, I, I don't know. It's uh, all that language is, you know, well past my knowledge. And that just goes to the lawyers at that point. But if you look at every other sport, you know, NFL does their thing. NBA does their thing. MLB's, or at least Rob Manfred's biggest pet peeve right now is pace of play. Football games are just as long as baseball games, but they still trump viewership. They're just as long. Here, I'm going to pull up a stat. Give me one second here. But yeah, you're right. I have a really interesting stat about baseball. Give me a second. And like MLB is like, we need a fixed pace of play. Okay, NFL is what, you know, same exact time. Now MLB is saying we still need a fixed pace of play. Now NBA is, you know, getting 3,000 more fans every day because you can't show your team play. And so when you can't show your team play baseball, okay, fine, especially in the early summer or the early part of spring. All right, fine, basketball's still on. All right, so according to this, this is I, I saw this on social media the other day. The average length of a National Football League game is 3 hours and 12 minutes. Major League Baseball's average length is 3 hours and 5 minutes. So basically the same right there. The average length of action in a football game is 11, 11 minutes. The average average length of a action in a baseball game is 18 minutes. So all those comparisons right there. It's just an interesting stat to throw out. I know 
Baseball is slower from the aspect of that. It's very repetitive where you see just pitches thrown and you can see eight pitch at-bats and so forth. But it's interesting to see that there is more action when you just define it. But I wonder how they did define it. Do you think they defined it by, like, is throwing a pitch action? And it's just taking out all the dead time in between? Probably, yeah. But I, I guess the argument against that would be that a lot of people don't like the fact that the pitcher goes in the rubber, throws a pitch, gets the ball back, 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 throws a pitch, ground out to short. I guess that's what people don't like. But no, yeah, I, I think pace of play is an issue. But my concern is that a lot of the rules he's making really only shaves off like five to ten minutes of the game. And that doesn't change anything, you know. I, I th- it okay. really doesn't. The only one I can, much. the only one that makes sense to me is the three batter limit, because I will admit, and now from a from a strategy perspective, it's very interesting. But I can tell you, sixty percent of the audience probably doesn't know the righty lefty matchup scenarios. But yeah, it does slow down the pace when you have Joe Girardi bringing in a lefty, then a righty, then a lefty again, and you have three, three, four commercial breaks in the matter of three outs. No one wants. Yeah, to but see that, that happens in football too. There's at least three or four, you know, because of timeouts or because of TV timeouts. Yeah, you know, yeah, I know. That. But That's, I guess the funny enough is that happens in the later part of the game. I think game I think it's that football can get away with that though. I think football can get away. Well, yeah, they can't. But here's the thing: baseball is not that slow from innings one to five. It's usually not that slow. It's about, you know, it keeps the same pace going. Innings six to nine are the longest because that's when the most strategy gets played. That's when yes, the strategy but those are starts also... coming out. It's not about playing the game. It's about beating the opponent. No, I agree. And I, I think, to be fair, those are the better parts of the game. I've always noticed that, like, the first three innings of a game when I'm at T-Mobile Park or wherever it is, I'm watching the game and my heart rate is pretty slow, pretty low, you know. But then I get into the 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth, and my heart rate is pounding. Those are the intense moments of the game. And maybe what Manfred is saying is he wants more action constantly versus having a tight situation and going to a break. But then I could almost argue that the commercial break adds more suspense or the pitching change yep. adds more suspense if you're at the ballpark. But it's a difficult situation. I understand what he's doing, but I don't think he's been very effective at it. I don't think shaving off 10, 15 minutes of a game, going from three hours and 20 minutes to three hours and five minutes, I don't think that's that big of a difference. And I don't think it's going to change anything. But Oh, no. I, it's also a big chunk of what the owners decide, too. You know, how much money are the owners? I'm not at all, you know, in that game of knowing where the money is or, you know, what the owners and the commissioner agree on. A lot of it, too, is how much money the owners are going to make a season. You know, obviously with the shortened season, you know, less revenue comes in for them. Yeah, but I think I think they got to accept the fact that it's not going to be the same. But the thing is that most mostly every team will be in the same spot because of it. So it's not like they may be losing money. Or I get, but I guess from the owner's perspective, you just want your money. So well, yeah. I, I guess, but from a team perspective, if you're like – the Mariners and you're afraid of losing money and having the Reds make more money than you. That probably won't be the case because the Reds probably will the the Reds probably will be playing with no fans either. But who knows at this point? There's a lot of a lot of stuff going on above our heads in the MLB front office right now with Manfred and everyone right now, all of those representatives. But something else I wanted to talk about is I was listening to a Jeff Passan interview and he was talking about how for Major League Baseball in the 162-game season, 
he our players are actually trying to get 162 games in so they get their full contracts paid so they are actually willing a lot of them are willing to play eight game weeks and having a lot of double headers if that means they can play 162 now Manfred came out on that Van Pelt interview I believe and said that they probably won't have 162 games but I was shocked to hear that players would be willing to do that many double headers I understand the money part and I guess money is money but from a durability standpoint and the fact that you would have you would probably have to expand rosters I just think it would be so difficult because Rob Manfred something I really like that he implemented these last couple years is how the season you have more days off at the beginning and you slowly ramp them into it because you see more injuries and 162 games is hard to play but you have to imagine if they implement the double headers you know they're going to have less days off too and everything's going to be squished and rushed I don't think that's the most healthy thing for players. Obviously, with an expanded roster, maybe it helps. What do you think about this? Well, I think it'll just, <clears throat> I think it'll just change the way we play baseball for right now, for just this year. You know, it now becomes okay. Am I gonna have to throw ninety nine to you know hundred every single pitch? No, it means you gotta you know stay durable. It means you, you have to give it your all, yeah. but give it your all for the longevity of the season. So now you might see Syndergaard, who usually you know lasts about six innings, topping you know, 99, he might go, you know, seven innings, but only well, topping out at like 96. Not 97. this year for him, unfortunately, because of the Tommy John, oh, yeah. but, but yeah. But yeah. other pitchers like, like that, Garrett Colby, Cole. Luis Castillo, same thing, Garrett Colds, Justin Verlander, all those pitchers who are used to, you know, throwing a lot of pitches and not lasting, you know, the whole game are going to have to, you well, know, what play if, a different style of pitching. They have what to if go we, a little bit more conservative and, you know, like the 70s and 80s where you last longer but you don't throw as hard. What if we see seven-man rotations, though, or eight-man rotations? That would probably allow them to go 100 pitches a night if they get more days off. Well, I think some teams are starting to do that more and more. As you see, you know, you send a starter down and you bring him up. You know, it depends on, you know, their uh, as many times they're allowed I think, to I think, like, the contract, teams but... like the Mariners and the, and the Padres and the Tigers who are in situations where they are trying to put guys on inning limits because they have young pitchers like Paddock, like, done Gilbert if he ever comes up this season will probably be shortened a little bit I think though if you're the Astros or you're the Yankees and your pitching is one of your strong suits you're probably gonna ride those guys so I'm curious to see how that would affect them because look the Yankees spent this entire offseason building that rotation now obviously Severino's out with Tommy John but they spent this entire offseason building it for five guys and now all of a sudden it kind of puts them at a disadvantage if you have to extend it to seven guys because maybe another team has more depth and the Yankees don't, and it screws things up a little bit. And I think teams will just have to deal with that. But it, it is something to look at, and I think it could hurt a lot of teams by playing all these games in such a short amount of time. Well, it's just about learning how to adapt from situations like this. Well, yeah, the Mariners are going to be well-prepared for this, and so are the Padres. It's actually said, a... So are the Rangers, and so are a bunch of other teams that don't really have a chance for the playoffs but are kind of just riding out the season waiting to see what happens. But for teams going through the playoffs, it starts to, you start to wonder, okay, we know we're going to be in a position for playoffs come, you know, October, if that's even when we start playoffs. So now you're thinking, all right, what do I have to do to make sure my guys are healthy as soon as the playoffs start? It's different than it used to be. It used to be, okay, this guy's got some uh, shoulder injury. How many games do we have left in the season? All right, we have about 25. We are about four games behind or four games ahead. Maybe I can rest him a couple games so he's ready for the postseason. And then comes postseason, he's fine. But, you know, now you got all these teams like the Dodgers and the Astros and the A's even 
who are going to have to think, what's going to happen next for us? What is our next move? Even the Brewers are in a position of what's going to happen because the Brewers aren't very uh, deep in their rotation either. They don't even have a good five-man rotation, in my opinion, in terms of depth. So that'll be interesting. But yeah, it really does benefit like teams like the Mariners, like the Tigers, like the Orioles who are rebuilding because it allows them to get guys innings and you don't have to throw a guy 200 innings a season. So the Mariners have a situation where this year they were probably going to start Justin Dunn in AAA. And honestly, I think that's a good idea. I think they should focus on getting that command down a little bit because the stuff is there. We saw it this spring. I think they just need a couple of adjustments right there. But if they also wanted to give him some innings, you could have a seven, eight man rotation. You could have Dunn in there. You can have Gilbert in there. You could have some openers thrown up in there and get young guys opportunities while not blowing them out and being afraid that you're going to, you know, like for example, Steven Strasburg, uh, it was 20. Ooh, what year was this? I think this might've been 2012. Um, and the nationals had just made the playoffs and Steven Strasburg was shut down because they were saving him hopefully for 2019 when they won the World Series, right? Obviously, they didn't know when that would be, but they didn't want him to get hurt and to blow his arm out uh, because he threw too many innings. Well, now this case allows eight-man rotations, which would really benefit from that. You don't have to worry about it. But yes, it well, does. Well, go on. Well, for me, I was thinking of what about those blackjack guys? Those guys, you know, what I mean by a blackjack guy is a guy you're not expecting to have or expecting to get good results out of. Because, you know, in, in blackjack, it's, you know, it's rare to see that, you know, ace and you know 10 or queen jack king well they'll get you know, more opportunities up. so what it's the thing is look at all those guys who maybe probably weren't ever going to get a shot at the big leagues now they might have a chance because now it's like okay we'll take a shot on you what are we you know okay we got 50 games left and gonna be we are to. down 20 games all right what the heck do we have to lose we're gonna throw joe schmo you know who's 36 uh you know he's played in the minors for like Eight years, we'll give him a shot at the big at the big time. Give him the ball, see what happens. You know, that's what I'm kind of hoping to see from some of these teams we that will. really don't have a shot and who are just you know willing to take a chance on someone. And maybe that guy performs well, and so maybe he gets an opportunity. Maybe not at 36, but a guy who's like 32, you know, late 20s, you know, who is who feels like you know his career's over, but then gets this opportunity because of the season you know, starting out like this. So you never know. Maybe this could be a good thing for those guys yeah. whose careers might be over. Yeah, like a Randy Dobnak or something like that. And and truthfully, I think if, if they do implement more games in a shorter amount of time, then yes, I do think that will happen because teams will be forced to because you'll be at a point where, you know, it's either let's grab a guy off waivers, let's make a quick trade, or we got to call this guy up because that's all we have left. And that is fine for teams who are rebuilding, but I could see, imagine if you're a team that's competing and all your guys are drenched and you need to call someone up immediately and you're calling up Joe Schmo, as you said, and he has to pitch the most important game of the regular season. Who knows? It's so hypothetical, but it could happen. But then again, as you said, they got to adapt. This is a weird season. It's going to be strange. But it also gives them some opportunities to experiment with some new stuff, too. I mean, think about, obviously, I hate it, but I was listening to the Michael K show, and they were bringing up, like, maybe second game of the doubleheader, if it's an extra innings, to speed it up and make sure you're not playing 20 innings in that second game. You do the California tiebreaker rule like that was thrown out and see how that works. I truthfully would hate that. But, you know, in a doubleheader, it would kind of make sense. So, I mean, it's interesting. What do you think about experimenting with stuff like that? Well, if I don't this know. Happens? We're going to see, like, youth tournament baseball style coming out. You know, we're going to see those double headers, those triple double header, even for some of us, triple header, quadruple header Sundays. 
that used to happen back in, uh, you know, when we were like eight or nine and playing in, you know, 95. You think they'll play eight. four games a day? I don't think they'll play four. Not a chance they'll play four that games would be a day. Crazy. But I'm just saying on like what is, you know, what experiments, you know, could you think yeah, could implement for a short term? Like, you know, maybe we try this. You know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It doesn't matter. You know, let's try this. You know, and certain teams will be obviously the more guinea pigs of it. So, like the Mariners and the Ray, or not the Rays, but the Mariners. Well, I, I would say that the if you make one rule for one team, you have to do it for each team. Because oh, then... I'm not saying those, those teams have a certain rule for them. I'm saying the team itself tries oh, something yes. new. Oh, yes, I see. From a from a managerial perspective. Yeah, not from like, you know, California tiebreaker, which I think would be stupid anyways. But you're saying, yeah, for example, like maybe, maybe the Mariners, let's say Tom Murphy pitched in high school and had a nasty splitter. And then they say, you know what? We'll give you a chance to pitch here. And he goes out and dominates and maybe he becomes the next Shohei Otani. Now that's very, that probably, that definitely won't happen. But yes, you're saying well, you that, see, that's what you're going you might, with, right? Well, yeah, you might see a spike in two-way guys. So remember, um, I think Jermaine Jones is his name. Jermaine Jones. Or Jones something. He was with the Mariners, 99. Hmm. He's now with the Rangers right now. James Jones. Sen- James Jones. James yeah, Jones, yes. Two th- James uh, Jones. Yeah, now he 14, might get yeah. back up to the show because he's a two-way player, and seems like now two-way guys might be a little more, um, you know, more, more valuable. Upon. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for sure. And it, it's all, high, like, again – we might this might not work out, but it seems like I mean I was surprised to hear Jeff Passan say that players are very interested in it, and it makes sense because of the contracts. But my initial thought, Trevor, was no player would want to do that. Who would want to play eight games? Who would want to go like Sunday to Saturday and then play two games on Sunday? That, in my opinion, that would be crazy. But teams who want their million dollars or players who want their millions of dollars—that's who would want to do. Yeah, it. and it really, I feel like it's more for you know, like for example, Mike Trout, if. 30% of his contract's knocked off. That's still like $12 million. But for a guy who's making the minimum of 550 k or so forth, I guess that is the difference of 500 k and maybe, I don't know what 60% of that off is, but you know what I mean. There, That is a big difference. So it, well, it's, it's also like, look at the minor leagues. Now what do you do to the minor leagues? Everything oh my changes. God. The minor leagues are already screwed up now as it is, and they already do play double headers, and they already play like eight-game series sometimes. Uh- yeah, I am very scared, Trevor, just as a Mariners fan. I am praying, praying that this doesn't affect the development of some of the biggest prospects in Major League Baseball, if not just the Mariners. It's more or less going to be the pitchers that will get affected. And besides that, there are so many minor leaguers. I don't think it'll make too, too much of a difference well, for that. I, I think, though, like if you're a pitcher and you're not throwing against live hitters and you're not facing good major league potential hitters or triple-A guy hitters, then I feel like that would affect you if you lose a whole year, especially if you lose a whole year of being 22 years old and then your whole development is pushed back. And now instead of coming up when you're 25, you're coming up when you're 27 or something like that. That that would that would really stink, in my opinion. Okay, the Mariners that, are lucky true, that they I have think, some... But I think some teams are going to be smarter with their pitchers, though, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. And especially with the Tommy John, uh, one of the biggest things is that all like we have Severino, Sale, and Syndergaard in the last month being diagnosed with Tommy John surgery. Something is up, and I, I think I think the way that 
mechanically and workload wise that pitchers are handled I think that will change a little bit because it is not good that it seems like every guy right and left that throws hard is getting Tommy John surgery and that that is not a good thing so I, I think that'll be manipulated a little bit too and I'm curious to see what happens to Trevor Bauer because he's so analytical and he has the science down and everything in terms of mechanics spin rate and so forth it seems like he keeps himself very healthy has his routines I'm curious to see he's a guy who throws hard I'm curious to see if he suffers Tommy John at some point in his future, and maybe he has the solution to avoiding it. Now, everybody's bodies are different. Everyone has different you know, UCLs and elbows, but I'm curious if there is a way to prevent it besides not throwing hard. You know what I mean? Well, it's just about you know rehab and the control you have of your body and not letting those mechanics fail. I'm not a pitcher, but you know, studying pitchers and studying how they throw you can see which players are more susceptible to that injury or not. And it also turns out like about, you know, late in the game when they need to throw that hard pitch, how many of those pitches are their mechanics off and they're just getting it over to get it over? I think so the guys, problem someone is, like is that Trevor Bauer is going to be more, you know, fundamentally not sound. susceptible yeah. to that because he's so mechanically sound where yeah, it doesn't matter sound. if he's throwing soft, he's still going to get you out because of his stuff. I think the problem now, if a guy is like that... Noah Syndergaard or Chris Sale who relies on his, you know, his speed to do something, yeah, he's going to throw more all arm just so he can figure out, you know, he needs to get you out somehow and he doesn't have enough full body energy in the tank. He's just going to throw you or he's just going to try and get at you with just his arm and that's going to lead to injury. The way I look at it is, and at Sale, I think I think the way Sale throws, I could see I I felt like Tommy John was inevitable. He has a pretty funky arm motion, uh, but with a guy like Severino and Syndergaard, those are guys I feel like that are good mechanically. It's just the problem is is they're throwing 100 miles an hour from the first inning all the way to the eighth inning. That's like 60 pitches going 100 miles an hour right there. And I think that's the problem. I think that's what's putting so much pressure on their elbows. And when they do that every start, you know, there is going to be problems right there. And, like, Jacob deGrom had Tommy John. I believe Jack Flaherty had Tommy John. The only, like, two flamethrowers that I can think of that haven't had it that are over 30 are Verlander and Scherzer. So, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know. Well, if you look at Felix through his career, he threw hard, but he never had elbow injuries. He had more or less leg injuries. Yes, but I, I think with Felix it was a little bit different because he's not – you know, throwing a hundred miles an hour every single no. start. He's he was like ninety six, right? And then it, you know, went down a little bit to ninety three, ninety four. And I think Felix also, as you mentioned, with a guy like Bauer, worked a lot off of his stuff and had a hard fastball. Versus Cindergard is going out there and that one hundred one mile an hour sinker is his bread and butter pitch that sets up the other pitches. I think without the hundred miles an hour, Noah Cindergard may not be the same pitcher that they saw in 2015 and so forth so that might be the difference right there but who knows at this point either way that is going to wrap up our show today thank you guys so much for listening once again this was heard it through the ivy for trevor curl i'm max tanzer we thank you guys so much for listening and we'll catch you next time